0: Way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! You don't like that! You don't like NBA basketball! 360! Bow oh, hit him with the sauce! Got it! And one! Fire's a
1: Welcome to another episode of All Nat. I am your host, Natalie, but most people call me Nat. And today I'm so delighted to bring on my guest for this week. Um, If you're on Twitter, some of you may know him from the timeline as Gifted. He's a really, really bright young person. Now I sound like an old person, but he's just (laughs) one of our, our, our new great young basketball minds. I love learning from people and I'm even more impressed when I'm learning from someone who I think is like, you know, really young and bright. So Gifted teaches me a lot about basketball. He follows so many teams in the league, which I cannot understand. I'll let him tell you who he's actually a fan of and his whole thing and where you can find him. But if you're not already following Gifted on Twitter and the various other platforms, he's going to tell you about check him out. He's great. And I think you'll really be better for it. Gifted. Uh
0: I appreciate the warm introduction, Nat. Uh, my name is Gifted, and you can follow me on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all platforms. Gifted at GiftedXBlade. Um, this Twitter space has been like a really fun thing for me. Um, it's my first time being able to find and interact with a bunch of new people, and meeting Nat. She's very, very passionate about the game, and I love that about her. So. Um as soon as she asked me to hop on the podcast, it was a no-brainer for me. She's a brilliant basketball mind and I appreciate your platform. Um oh, thank you. Um are you
1: talking bas- basketball on all your platforms? Or are you because you're a yeah.
0: YouTuber, right? Yeah. So is the so, content
1: always basketball?
0: Yeah. So um right now on my YouTube, it's a primary focus to purely do basketball. So far, I've done videos on preseason predictions, the Warriors. Um I just dropped like 30 minutes ago a video on James Harden and the Brooklyn Nets. So I'm currently doing all basketball, but there will be some other videos where it's a bit more personal later on down the line, but right now it's all hoops.
1: Okay, got you. And you also host the Spaces on Twitter, right? Yes,
0: yes. And what's um, that about
1: and when can they find you there?
0: Lit. So basically um, I am aligned with my man, Chris, who is in charge of hoop spaces. And our platform um, during the weekdays at 8.30 on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, we do a space called The Locker Room. Um, It's meant to be a space where anyone can join on in, but if you give a basketball take, feel free to be challenged. Um, On the show, something really, really fun that that we do is called ISO. It's basically a a segment where two people um, go head-to-head No one else says anything and we see who won the actual argument. So we want to have like a whole platform to where you can have your takes, but you can't show you have to actually watch the game and be ready to back up what you're saying.
1: Wow. Now, see, I didn't know that because I've attended many hoop spaces. I'm not sure that I've made it or saw one of the ISOs before. Maybe I need to partake in that.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) It gets hectic. Um, we really want to make sure that no one else interjects. It's just those two people and we give you five minutes on the clock and we see who made the better points. There's no bias. None of that. just who made the better points. That's all that really matters.
1: And how do you determine the two people who are going to go at each other?
0: So typically it'll happen in the flow of a regular conversation. And then obviously, you know, someone be like, no, I don't think Andrew Wiggins is bad on this team. I don't think he should be traded. ISO. And then you go at it and then it's like, oh, his his argument was was really, really good. So he wins or something like that.
1: Had to bring up Andrew Wiggins, right?
0: Absolutely. That's my boy. That's my boy. Oh, yeah. I'm a Warriors fan, by the way. I watch a lot of games, but I am a Warriors fan. Just want to make that known before we begin.
1: Okay. All right. And who determines the winner of the ISOs? Like how is that determined?
0: Yeah, so it typically comes down to me and my co-host. Uh, right now on Twitter, it only allows two co-hosts and the initial host. So right now, all three of us vote, we'll mute everybody and choose who wins. From what I've seen so far, there haven't been that many close ISOs. It's been fairly dominant because with five minutes on the clock, you have to really articulate yourself and people are challenging you consistently. So it's been a very, very fun space.
1: Gotcha. Okay. That sounds fun. I may have to, I mean, I, I definitely check out spaces, but I may have to partake in ISOs one day. We'll see. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Some people come prepared, maybe more than me. So I have to think about it. Okay. So the Warriors played last night versus OKC It was their second matchup within a week uh, and they won. So they're now five and one, they are tied with a few teams for the best record in the NBA um, east and west. Wait, do they have the best record in the west? Or there's uh, a, no, and the Jazz also are five and one in the west.
0: The I Jazz, think the Jazz are actually four and one, but they got one more game. But oh, four basically, they're five and one. Yeah,
1: okay, they're four and one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but mm. they've lost one game too. So there's no more undefeated teams in the league. Yep, the Jazz lost last night, which I'm happy about. Um, <laughs> uh, the Bulls the Knicks are five and one the Heat are five and one few teams kind of rolling in the east right okay but none of the teams who people I think are maybe expecting to be there at the end are rolling so far in the season like they're having some hiccups, whether it's due to injury or anything else. The Bucks, I think, are three and three. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the Lakers record. Are the, the the Nets at 500 or are they above 500?
0: I think the Nets are one game above 500, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Okay. So, you know, I I keep hearing, this is something that's bugging me a little bit. I keep hearing a lot of this, like, it's the beginning of the season, you know, or a tearing down of people for like if they beat in bad teams, which wasn't so much applied to us as much because we beat the Lakers and the Clippers. I mean, they are missing Kawhi, but like I heard that said about the Bulls, and um, you know, and then like a couple of our games were OKC, so people were like, oh, you know, stop getting like too ahead of yourself. Yep. And while I don't think that you should be crowning a team a champion based on the first six games of the season. I don't think a 5 and 1 record to start should be disregarded. Like I think if the Lakers were 5 and 1 or the Nets were 5 and 1 or the Bucks were 5 and 1, I think the talk would be very different. But because it's teams that people did not expect who are doing better, I feel like it's a lot of temper your expectations people. Um what what do you think about that?
0: So I think that it's funny because you're absolutely right. Those narratives can change based on who the teams are, but the biggest thing that I uh, really try to, you know, focus on is your start to the season does matter because historically, all of the, all of your championship teams are at least above 500 in the first 10 game span. So that right. actually does matter. And I hate when people say that oh, the regular season doesn't matter because you spend the entire season finding out team habits building up chemistry finding your best lineups your worst lineups and having continuity going into the playoffs so it actually does matter
1: oh i i agree wholeheartedly um i don't i don't like the the, the this notion either but i just i don't like the dismissiveness of it like kirk um, kendrick perkins and really do i agree with him but he made a statement that i think <laughs> is true and he said, you know, championship teams build habits from the very beginning. Like we start in preseason and we're working on it then because you know there was a lot of dismissiveness when teams weren't looking good in preseason. It was yep. like, oh well, okay, let's see. And then when teams are still not looking so great, it's like, oh, it's still early and, you know. And I just I don't know, I just it's funny to me. I guess it's it's interesting. Um but I I disagree. I think good teams start winning early and I don't think that it's a coincidence the teams who are five and one I think it's shocking maybe because I mean the Bulls they haven't been like relevant right for a while right and so I understand that but like they have talent on the team and likewise like the Wolves who we're gonna talk about because the Dubs that's the next matchup they are a good team they're a talented team and you know early in the you know when when all that first launched and I think in the preview episode or one of my prior episodes, I said, you know, the Wolves are a talented team. At a minimum, they should be vying for a play-in spot. Like, they should be a playoff team. We understand that historically they haven't been. And I kind of just discount last year altogether because Cat had all those issues that occurred with his family, you know, just really a horrible things for anybody to have to deal with. And then you had D'Lo, who was out some of the year. Um, It was Edwards' first season, but he was spectacular nonetheless. So, Open. so it's like this season I did expect them to look much better, and I just don't see how you have a talent like Cat, a talent like Edwards, and a and a and a and above average point guard and D'Angelo Russell, and think that they're just like not going to even be like that. They're just going to suck again. That didn't make sense to me, and so um, they're they're. They've lost more than one game, I think, but they're playing well, and um, you know that prediction may come true about them buying for a play-in spot. But I think people are just like writing off any team that was bad before, uh, who has a good record. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just think that's lacking in context.
0: So yeah, that's not fair. That's not fair at all. Um, I don't like that narrative because a lot of people aren't actively watching the games, so they'll go off of a team's past and be like well they sucked two years ago so because of that they're also supposed to also not be good this season like basketball is a sport that consistently moves and progresses very very quickly things change very very fast so you can't be like so rooted to past ideals you got to watch and and evaluate these things for what they are now I'm, i'm with you on that
1: Right. So, okay. So the Wolves are coming up. The
0: Warriors play them on
1: Wednesday, Tuesday, which day?
0: Um, They play the Wolves on Wednesday, November 10th.
1: Wednesday. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. So the Wolves are coming to town because the Warriors are on a homestand right now. Um, they lost one game so far for the season. That was to the Memphis Grizzlies. And they were pretty um horrendous when it came to turnovers they had 22 I think in that game and so uh, yeah.
0: real quick also they also lost a game to the Pelicans but I was Zion by the way who uh I'm talking
1: about the, the Minnesota
0: Timberwolves yep mm-hmm. oh
1: okay so I was talking about the Warriors but so the Wolves okay. have lost two games so they was the Grizzlies the other team they lost to
0: um they lost to the Pelicans and they lost to the Nuggets actually
1: Okay, so they've lost two games. We've lost right. one game. Exactly. Um, the game that the Warriors lost, I largely attributed it to turnovers, but it it seemed to spark a conversation on Twitter at least. I don't know in the rest of the the world, but you know, if you're not a part of NBA Twitter and not on there, it's kind of its own thing. And so it sparked a conversation largely among dubs fans about all the weaknesses in the team and it was just like this state of like hysteria you know after the game which I couldn't understand um because while some of the things may be true and they have probably always been true we're like the Warriors are not the only team with weaknesses right I mean every team has weaknesses and so I guess the way that I look at it is like look how much had to happen for those weakest weaknesses to even matter. They had to have 22 turnovers. Stephen Curry had to be cold in the fourth quarter. You had to get like very little offense. Cause I think you only got something out of like Wiggins and Lee that night. Right. So it was just like a night where like everything had to go wrong and they still lost the game by a single possession It went into overtime. They had a chance to win. So I looked at that game and said, that means that they're a pretty good team. Others looked at it and had a very different takeaway. So I'm curious what your takeaway is. You know, last night they won pretty handily versus the the Oklahoma City Thunder. And now they're about to play the Wolves. And some people are just like, oh, that's the Thunder, who cares? They're dismissing it. But I thought it was a great comeback. Um, They, you know, Steph didn't have to play the fourth they limited the turnovers and something that was also very apparent was Draymond was aggressive and he's been aggressive in several games this season, but he wasn't in that Minnesota game. He started the first half of the game aggressively. And then in the second half, he wasn't the same and he only scored four points. And there's kind of like this magic number that's touted for Draymond that like when he scores eight points,
0: eight points or above is like (laughs) a lot of wins. Right. And
1: you know, like a, you know, someone I knew recently was like, kind of like laughing at me, but I was just like, it's not really about the eight points as much as like what the eight points represents. And it's that Dre is being aggressive on offense and they need him to do that. Right. And so he was aggressive that entire game. Like for the first half, he was the leading scorer in the game versus OKC last night. So with that context in mind, they had that really high turnover game versus the Grizz. They lost that. Which, like I said, I largely attributed to the turnovers. Yeah. Um. And then they won last night versus OKC, and now they're going to have the Wolves, you know, coming up. What What do you expect to see?
0: So for me, it's funny because on the locker room, we like watch the games live. So I'm watching the Warriors games uh, uh, live, and I have a lot of my friends who are not Warriors fans who are basically talking trash, like. John Morant owns you, yada, 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 right? And there's a couple of things that I point out to the reason and why we lost. Atkinson needed to be on that bench because Steph shouldn't have came into the game that late. That's a big part of why. If you're in a rhythm like that, you shouldn't take the player out for that long. The fact that he played the entire third, but like he got in at the four-minute mark in the fourth, that's not enough time for him to come back in and really ch- change the game because he was cold. But the turnovers for years and years and years, even during the the championships run, we've always turned the ball over quite significantly. But the thing is, we don't have as much talent as we did back then to be fine with doing that consistently over and over and over. Um, We just can't have that same type of mistake against the good teams. And I think for a team like the Wolves and also a team like Charlotte, which is our next game, like, you have to be very, very careful about that because those teams can get out in transition quickly and kind of beat you. And that's what it comes down to for real.
1: Yeah. I mean, so like even with the old squads, 22 turnovers is just unacceptable. They, yeah, that's too still, much. They still might have lost those games, but they definitely had the talent to overcome that more often than not. Um, so, I mean, I think the magic number for turnovers probably needs to be like between 12 and 15. Um, I, I saw, I saw someone else say like 12 to 13, but I, you know, they're not going to be like a six, seven turnover team. Like that's just not the way they play. It's never going to be that, but I, I don't think they can be exceeding 15 regularly and expect that to be a winning formula.
0: Yeah. I, I, without a doubt, I for sure uh, agree with that. However, I do think that with time, those turnovers will go down. Also um, people have t- to realize Why? Why why do you think
1: that, though? Okay. Why do you think the turnovers will go down?
0: I think they'll go down primarily because when Klay Thompson comes back, you're going to be adding in a a, a guy to where he's consistently moving off of of the ball because he understands exactly what the system is based on. I feel like a lot of these turnovers are guys reading the future, but the other guy isn't exactly in that moment just then. Towards the end of the season is the part where teams get acclimated And they find even more chemistry, which can make those turnovers go down a a little bit. Plus, twenty-two is just way too high for almost any team, right? So, I don't believe that that's going to be a consistent thing that we have every single game. So, it should get a whole lot better from that.
1: Okay, so um, the the whole thing with Kerr and bringing him in late, which is like irks the fan base. It's not a new thing, but I mean, so just to 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 be fair, Kerr did get him off the bench around the six minute mark, which is when he usually likes to bring Steph in, but there was no stoppage in the game. So it ended up going like under five minutes. It was like four minutes and change when he came back in, but Kerr did have an opportunity to bring him in like right around six minutes and 56 seconds, I think it was. And he still (laughs) chose not to. And that is what I think is kind of ridiculous. Um so and then Steph's minutes have been up in general this season apparently. I didn't realize that because he was playing the first and the third like he always does. He plays the full first, the full third and that's his preference, right? So where was he getting these extra minutes that were making it higher? Was he playing longer in the second and the fourth? I mean, I know the last game they went into overtime, but where is it like where are these extra minutes coming from where he's playing too much?
0: So from what I've watched so far, um, he's still doing the first and the third thing, but the extra minutes are mainly coming out of the second, ironically. Um, I think overall, when the game is panning down, Curry is trying to like keep that same type of whole formula, but I think it shouldn't be as routine-based, it should be based on the flow of the game. If Steph is that hot early on, you don't want to have like an extended period in the fourth closing quarter of the game, because then he might lose steam trying to come back in. That's really my only pet peeve with that, and I kind of feel like if Kenny Atkinson was there, he probably would have voiced that. Unfortunately, he had like a leg injury or or I believe something I of that ilk, so he couldn't be on the bench. Unfortunately,
1: we didn't know that. I mean, Kerr is never going to change. He's that. That's yeah. That's how he is. Um but I didn't realize Kenny is out. And I, the, the, the levels in which that concerns me, I don't know if it should be like this, but I, it, it concerns me a lot. So I guess we just got to see it play out to see what that's going to mean. So um, you talked about in transition and like some of these other teams being fast. So like, do the, do the wolves like to play fast? I haven't had a chance to watch more than one of their games this year. So what's going on with them?
0: Yes. So for the Minnesota Timberwolves, um, Anthony Edwards has emerged. Um, His athletic prowess on both ends of the floor has been really, really key. But they push the pace a lot in transition. But that team in transition doesn't really scare me as much as Charlotte does, because with Charlotte, Miles Bridges is looking like he is the most improved player. And in the break, you know, like how fast that team pushes, especially with. Obviously, one of my favorite players, uh, man, that ball kid, he's really, really nice. He can kick the ball fast and they get out super duper fast. So if you turn the ball over against teams like that, they will make you pay almost all the time because they're so, so fast.
1: Okay, so let's stick with the Wolves for a little bit. So what what is their record? Are they three and two or four and two? They've lost two games. What are they?
0: Uh, Yeah, so they're three and two. Um. Their two games that they lost were versus the Pelicans and versus the Nuggets. Um, the biggest one they have is actually versus the Bucks. They beat the Bucks, um, at home. Um, to win the game, Anthony Edwards isolated Chris Middleton and scored. So their their team has a lot of continuity coming in, and all three other guys can pop off on one night. Um, if I'm getting this right versus the Bucks, they both had a, a uh sorry, D Lo, Cat, and also Ant, they all had 25 each. So okay. they can be like really, really threatening on one night. It's very possible.
1: Yeah, I think I saw a game where D Lo didn't really like have a great game this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think outside of that, he's played pretty well so far for the season. Right? Yeah. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I mean, what are you expecting for that game versus Golden State? It's a homestand for us. I don't think it's going to be an easy game, but I mean, it's a winnable game, right? So aside from keeping the turnovers down, what what else needs to happen?
0: Um, It won't be an easy game. I think the keys to winning is uh, primarily using the off-ball movement as much as possible because they're a young team. Um, At times, they can have defensive lapses. But I would say the biggest X factor is trying to limit Cat both on the boards, but also his movement. Um, He's been very, very good at doing quick dives. He's been a phenomenal playmaker for them. Um, It's going to be hard to scheme him all the way out of the game. But I think Andrew Wiggins is going to be key in that matchup because we're going to need to put someone on Anthony Edwards to slow him down because his speed and his pace can really get the team going. And it's important to like cut that off, especially when you're at home.
1: How tall is Anthony Edwards?
0: He's like six, five, six, six, but he's a freakish athlete. He has like a, I think he has a seven foot wingspan or something like that. He's, he's very, very physical.
1: Can you use someone like GP two in this game? Is that on D low? Or is that, who would you put him on?
0: I think you can actually put GP2. I think I would put GP2 on D'Lo. I think Wiggins athletically can keep up with, with Ant. Um, I think for GP2, though, um, that pacing, he's going to need that because D'Lo moves at a really, really fast pace, but he's more jump shot prone. This man, Anthony Edwards, is unpredictable. Like, yeah, his mid-range yeah. shot, crazy. <laughs> he's crazy a beast. Yeah, he's a beast.
1: He's a beast. Um, He didn't win Rookie of the Year last year. Um, And some people thought, especially with LaMelo going down, he should have. Um, Who do you think is going to ultimately be the better player? I know they're only two years in. There's, like, no way to tell. Um, I'm curious. Whew.
0: That's tough. Um, For me personally, last year, I believe that LaMelo earned it, even though he got hurt. And the reasoning why is because as good as Ant is right now, I think for the ball brother, he has a lot of potential as far as being a six-eight point guard who sees the floor really, really well and puts his team in positions to make players better. Right now, the way that he's controlling the pace and he's playing – a good style of both on and off the ball movement. He's showing a lot of growth in that regard. And I just think that his overall package can be slightly better than Ant Edwards. The only thing is Ant Edwards is a more natural explosive score. So it really comes down to what you value more.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're shooting, they're both getting better shooting wise, oh, yeah. right? Um, I was thinking about this too, because I knew I wanted to ask you that and I was thinking about it. and. For me, I'm likely going to say LaMelo is probably going to be better. And it does come down to I really value people that can make their teammates better. And so um, anytime you can do that, I give more weight to that. now they're still young and who knows, you know, how Ant's game is going to develop. I love Ant. I'm, I love him more. Like, I'm much more interested in him as a player. Yeah. Um, he has a great personality, and I love watching him play. But I do think, at least right now, based on what we're seeing, it seems like Lamella may have the higher ceiling. But to be determined.
0: Yeah. Um. I will say this, though. What scares me the most about Ant, though, is the fact that he has a lot of versatility and, and, and a, a lot of growth as a two way player. Cause his defense is the real man. It's really good this year. So okay. I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up being better, but I value point guards who bring playmaking. Cause playmaking can always make guys better. Even if you're shooting the ball really, really bad on a given night.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask about on the defensive end. Cause I think Ant is better. LaMelo right now is not great <laughs> offensively. <Yeah. laughs> he has some work to do um what about cat this year do you think he can like reinsert himself back into conversations where people think of him as one of the best I mean I think people still know he's like one of the best big men but he's been so quiet um you know the last couple of seasons um do you think he can make an all NBA team this year like what do you what do you think is the you know expectations for him this season
0: so for about three or four years now, for me, Kat has been the clear third best big man in the league at the five spot. Um, he's the best shooting big man ever. He so let shoots 39. Let, 39- me, let me
1: ask the question, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, you have Giannis and, Jok- and Jokic in front of him?
0: No, no. So, no so, so so you have
1: Giannis at the three, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So so I have Jokic, I have Joel B, and I have Kat. That'll be okay. my three. Um, okay. They, all three of them, dominate the game differently. But the thing about Cat is because of, of the team he plays for and how many games they've lost, a lot of people don't know just how good he is. He averages 39% from three on five or six attempts for a career. So he's already the best shooting center we've ever seen. But the what thing does, that surprises me... What does Joker
1: me, average?
0: Um, He shoots about, if I'm not mistaken, 35 or 36%. Or okay. lesser. Um, for me, the thing about Cat that surprised me most, though, is every time I watch him play, his playmaking year after year after year has gotten so much better. His uh, speed as far as trying to get into the paint has gotten great. The only X factor for him is his defense. His defense right. has not really been that good. And I think when you take that on top of the fact that um his teams don't really go that far with him as like the best player and how last year he hurt himself, he had COVID, like all this personal stuff going on, people didn't really talk about him. But to me, he's the clear third best five in the league, in my opinion. So will he be an all-star this year, you think? I think he has a great chance to, because he's the best player for the Wolves. Right now, they're good. It's just a matter of how many games they're going to win, because if they're not a playoff team, By All Star break, he probably will not get the nod.
1: But I think Brad Bill was an All Star last year, right? And they weren't at the time in playoff contention. So I think, like, I think the record impacts All NBA a little bit more than All Star. Like, if he's putting up monster stats, there might be a chance.
0: I mean, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's Um, front
1: court, back court. So who are the back court players that would definitely be ahead of him?
0: Uh, so in the front court. The guys who would be ahead of him. Well, I'm not would, worried about would, front court
1: because it's gonna oh, yeah. be it would be back court or like a wild card, right?
0: Yeah, no, you're right. But the back court is a uh, PG. Not back court. I'm then... sorry,
1: front court. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: Cool. Okay, so uh, I think Jokic is a lock ahead of him. Um, I think the next one would probably be Anthony Davis. Um, I would say LeBron James is probably on there as well. So those are three front court mates. And then off of the bench, you probably have three more options. I'm trying to think who else would be in there. Um, Gobert's definitely going to make it this year. He's been playing lights out. Um,
1: Where do you think people are going to put Paul George, Front court or
0: backcourt? See, okay, see, look, this is a great question you're asking me because Paul George plays the two, but for some reason he qualifies as a forward and a two guard, so he can be both. So I'm not actually sure where they'll put him this year. Um, I think to make more space, they might make him a forward just because there's a lot of guards already in the West. Right. So if he's a forward, then he's in there. I think Cat could be a fifth or sixth option. But the thing is, he's playing so good right now, but it's been so early. Like He has to keep this same level of productivity up and have his team at least not at the bottom and then I believe he'll be voted in because a lot of it is based on popularity. And then it's what the coaches want.
1: He's been an all-star before once, right? Yes, I, what year was, was that the year they actually made the playoffs?
0: I think that was the Jimmy year he was there. I believe so. I believe that was the year.
1: Okay. It would be nice to see cat get back and, you know, into the playoffs and just, you know, after all he's dealt with, it would be, I think a nice story and, and, and good for him because I mean, he's worthy of it. He's a great player, but he has to do something, too. You know, I know it can't come with with nothing. So, I mean, do you expect the Warriors to win this game?
0: Um, I do believe that the Warriors can beat the Wolves. Um, I think we will, actually. Um, I think it all depends on the way that Andrew is able to play defense in this game. And if Draymond can really be versatile, because it's going to be a long option because they run – a lot of different plays, but Draymond's pretty good at at picking that out. But as a point of attack guy on on defense, Andrew Wiggins is going to be the X factor without a doubt. But I think we can just because they still struggle in guarding offenses that move around a lot. And obviously we move around a lot. So I I do think we'll win this game.
1: Can you put Looney on um, Cat? Will he do anything at all?
0: He will destroy Looney. (laughs) <laughs> story, Link, I, promise. That's I didn't buckets. think so but I was just
1: <laughs> curious so it's going to be Dre at a lot of small ball five you think
0: yeah um I think they're going to run Dre there a lot I think the key is anytime that he catches the ball you're going to want to throw like a soft double but it all depends on where he operates because he's similar to Jokic to where he can operate from the exact top of the key but Oftentimes, Anthony Edwards or Dela will have the ball in their hands and Cat is a constant spacer. So you got to make sure that you keep an eye on where he is because he's a knockdown shooter.
1: Do you know where they are this year defensively? Like they're defensive, you know, like where they're ranked right now?
0: Um, I believe mm-hmm. they're actually in the top 16. Um, I'd have to double check, but so far the defense has been pretty legit. Um, they lost to the Nuggets, but they held the Nuggets to 93 points. So, so far, the defense has been pretty solid.
1: Okay. Um, all right, let's turn our attention to the to the Hornets, because I think that's probably the bigger matchup. Um, oh, yeah. it, bigger in the sense of there's a lot of storylines for that matchup, right? Um, so it's, of course, if LaMelo comes and he balls out and just looks anything even remotely close to how he's looked in many games it's going to be a LaMelo versus Wiseman discussion and the yep. Warriors drafted the wrong person and unfortunately Wiseman's not even playing so he won't even be able to have like anything to say for it like based on his game um so that's already a storyline that's always you're going to have coming in um it's a home game so I mean it would be a little bit different if it was in Charlotte because you know that's kind of Steph's other hometown and his father's there and it's always like kind of something when he goes back there but we don't have that this time but I think just the LaMelo ball is the biggest thing um not even so much in terms of I mean the Charlotte's a decent team but not so much from the standpoint of like um where they are as a team as much as it's like the storylines you're also going to have the Ubre storyline right he was a former player on Golden State he's now on the Charlotte Hornets. He seems to be playing better um, there. And there's no love lost between um, Ubre and a lot of Dubs fans. So, you know, do you expect that he's going to try to like go off and like, you know, do something in that game or, you know, what? what are you expecting?
0: I got to be honest, uh, Kelly Oubre is the last person that I'm even thinking about going into this matchup only because like he can try that stuff and that's fine. But I think ultimately the big dogs are the guys that I'm really worried about. Oubre has been up and down for their team. He's been making the same kind of boneheaded plays he did with us kind of. The thing is, he's still dynamic in transition, so that would be something to be afraid about the thing with the hornets that surprised me is their defense is actually really good this year through 6 games they've accumulated 58 steals they average 9.7 a game they've been really good defensively and then that offense like they push the pace consistently over and over and they score off off of turnovers um in the 6 games they play so far they they've uh, scored 143 points purely off of turnovers.
1: So the Warriors have to be really, really mindful versus Absolutely. this team with with turnovers. Okay. And then you have Bridges playing out of his mind.
0: Most improved player. Do you improved think he's going to keep year. it up all season? I hope so. I'm not sure if he will. My, my pick initially was going to be Michael Porter Jr., but he seems to have completely fizzled out so that was wrong, and that's fine. <laughs> he
1: has not looked good. I think he'll good. turn it around, but he is, whoo, he hasn't looked good.
0: <laughs> yeah, nah, Miles Bridge looking crazy, though, man. The um athleticism, the shooting, like he's he's been playing very, very motivated, but also he's in a contract year. So he needs to ball out this year to get paid. So that's a big part of why he's doing everything that he's doing. He's averaging 25 right now.
1: So definitely an early season candidate for MIP. Who else?
0: Absolutely. Um, I think Miles Bridges is one. Who's the other person I, Um, I was low-key thinking about? Oh, yeah. I would say John Morant for sure. He's playing a lot better than what he was last year.
1: So that one's interesting to me. Why isn't Ja an MVP candidate right now based on the numbers he's putting up? I mean, if his team has a good record, why are we only thinking of him as an MIP candidate?
0: Right. So the only reason why Ja Morant is not considered an MVP candidate is his team's record is not above 500. I think they're three and three right now. So it's tough. If they were literally one game above, he would be in that race. But by the numbers and by like the winning impact that he's had on his team he should for sure be in that conversation I just don't think people think that he's going to be able to keep this same play up for the entire season and have his team up there because to win the MVP you have to be a seed one through four at the very least on top of your numbers being crazy right but Steph finished top three and I mean we know what he did and
1: I'm not saying he's Steph Curry although he outplayed Steph yeah um in the uh fourth quarter of the other game um so if the Grizz are 60 this year and john maintains this level shouldn't he be in the mvp conversation
0: if the grizzlies if are not a play team okay um i want to say yes but the reason behind why steph was in that conversation is the things he was doing from an efficiency standpoint, where historical. He had a stretch where he was he was averaging like 78% true shooting. Um, and his team narrative, right? Like, he didn't have Clay Thompson for the entire year. Whenever he was on the court, his team's offense was top 10. As soon as he left, they were the 30th offense in the league. John Morant has more weapons. It's just as a team, they're not winning. So I think ultimately when the voters look at it, they're not going to say he's going to be good enough as a sixth seed to really qualify for the MVP, at least to be a top three finalist.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think people are going to consider him. I just kind of think that if he keeps playing at this level for the whole year, no doubt. I, I feel like MIP is not really... I don't think he's the kind of player that that award is intended for, I guess, is my thought I know what process.
0: you mean. You think he's bigger than just most improved player. Like, like. Yeah. he should be in the big dog old type of conversation. Right. Yeah. Okay.
1: I do. Um, okay. So, back to the Charlotte Hornets. So, uh, Bridges is playing out, like, out of his mind. 25
0: know. points a game for for, <laughs> he's... He's balling, man. I'm sorry. (laughs) We
1: know what LaMelo can do with the ball. And I mean, he's shooting much better too. So he's shooting well and his passing is, you know, transcendent. Um, And they're good in, they're good in transition. So the Warriors can't turn the ball over. Is that really all that they have to do? Like just make sure they don't turn the ball over. What else do they need to be concerned about for that game?
0: It's turnovers, it's off-ball defense, and it's making sure to watch where the bigs are at because for LaMelo Ball, he finds people so, so fast. You can't be caught ball-watching. You have to make sure that you take that word out of your vocabulary and your brain when you're playing this team because my biggest question for them would be games played. They're doing all of this right now in the East with no Terry Rozier, and I believe that he'll be healthy to play for us. So that provides another challenge that we just haven't seen this season. Has he so been we're going to have to guard the three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's been hurt.
1: What's wrong with
0: him? Uh, um, He has a ankle injury right now.
1: Okay. I didn't realize yeah. Terry was hurt. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. so
1: So they'll have an additional score coming back. Yep. That's going to be a good game. I can feel
0: it. I can't I feel- wait to watch that game. Yeah.
1: I feel bad that Wiseman's not going to get to play not that he was necessarily going to have the same impact that um LaMelo has but that he's going to get talked about no matter what and he won't even have the chance to like show up for himself and you know do something so it's going to just be one of the stories of the game definitely yeah.
0: um every time they're going to be like oh he scored this much he he got his teammates involved. Yeah, like a thirty. Can point. you imagine this next? Can to you imagine fast? if he was in right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, it's 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 annoying. You have <laughs> to like definitely tune it out, or it can make you just be annoyed with Melo, and he didn't do anything. Um, what do you expect for the Hornets this year, like in terms of their ceiling?
0: So their ceiling to me is solely based on games played. Last year, they were a top-four seed. Then LaMelo hurt himself for basically the rest of the entire regular season. Then Gordon Hayward got injured. Then P.J. got injured. Like, their entire squad got hurt, and they made a plan because of that. If this team can stay fully healthy during the season, there's no reason why they can't be a six to seven seed and it be in the play in or be a playoff lock. It's extremely possible, but it's all about games play.
1: So let's go through the best teams right now in the East. I mean, who do we expect to be in the top six? Let's say, I think the bulls will be there. And I, I I always, I always thought that even before they started the season. Um, But obviously you have um, the Bucks, the heat, (laughs) who people, I feel like were sleeping on Um, the nets like, I'm just going to give them that respect because you still have Katie there. And the hope I imagine is that hard and turns it around. So you have, you have those three teams, um, Bucks, Nets, Heat. you have the Bulls, that's four. Now you still have the Knicks. You still have the Hawks. You still Mm -hmm. have, um, the Sixers and Charlotte. So that's still four teams left for those final two spots to get six. Who gets it?
0: Yeah. So for me, going into the season, I chose the Philadelphia 76ers and the Hawks as playoff locks over Charlotte simply because of games play. Because again, it's cute to say, well, if they stay healthy, but historically they haven't been. And these teams are typical playoff locks. The only question mark that I have is With no Ben Simmons, can the 76ers sustain an entire regular season where your main player can be injury-prone from time to time? That's another question, so I don't know. But I banked on it being them simply because they're going to have the best player nine times out of ten on a given night.
1: And you still think the Hawks will be there too?
0: Yes, I still believe the Hawks are going to be a top-six lock. Um, they have the most complete roster in the East, in my opinion.
1: So then, that leaves the Knicks
0: not in the top six. I know the Knicks are in the top six. I have them. At- so that leaves the
1: Sixers out.
0: Nope, I got the Sixers in too.
1: Okay, tell me the your Bulls six because yeah,
0: yeah. So you don't
1: think the Bulls are gonna still be? You don't think they're gonna be top six?
0: No, I don't think the Bulls are gonna be top six only because Patrick Williams is out for the season. He was a big part of their defense. I think they'll be a playing team at seven.
1: They did lose him, but they just beat the Jazz the other night. They did.
0: They did. That was him. a good game. That was a good game. I watched that game all the way through. But holding that same run on all the way for the entire season, he played a big part for them last year on their defense, and I think they need him. I would be surprised. Is there anyone they, they
1: can pick up to help them?
0: Uh, who's available that can play really good defense like Patrick Williams? Um, Off the top of my head, I'm not sure, but the buyout market tells all.
1: Okay. Now, we named a lot of teams. We still didn't talk about the Celtics or the Wizards. Yep. The East is a lot deeper.
0: I love the East this year, man. Yeah, And they're better. Yeah,
1: they're better. So, I mean, it seems like I'm like, I'm not even worried about Indiana. People were trying to tell me they were going to be real this year and I laughed and they are. So I ain't worried about them. But I think we just named more than 8 teams. Yep. Who is not making it?
0: So, so we, like I, I said,
1: we didn't talk about the Celtics and I mean, I still think they have time to turn it around. They've had some struggles to start the season though. But like even if you have them in a play in, we didn't we didn't touch on the Wizards and you have the Bulls drop, you know, like who is not going to be there this year? Who's falling out?
0: So the teams that I had not making the playoffs were the Pacers, the Magic, the Pistons, the Cavs, the Raptors, and the Wizards. It was those six teams. Oh, the Um, Raptors.
1: That's an interesting one because they're getting Siakam back.
0: And that's the question. That was my question. How good would this team be able to be until Pascal comes back? And even if he does come back, are they going to be good enough to make it to the playoffs. And, and that Ricky was my question. Ricky is
1: looking pretty freaking good. He's, He's like looking the good. the front runner for Ricky of the year right now.
0: Mm. You think it's Mobley? I think it's Mobley. I okay. think it's Mobley. It's, it's, high
1: it's one of those two right now, though, right? right? Facts.
0: Facts. But yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay.
1: So, I don't know. I mean, it's I tough. think it's, it's probably going to be a health thing for the East, right? Like, I 100%. mean there's definitely more than eight solid teams.
0: Yeah, it's, it's hard because I said this coming into the season in my preseason predictions video, the East is as strong as it's been in the past couple of years. So health is going to determine a lot of things for one, and it's going to be consistency and continuity all regular season long. And I just feel like, for all the teams that are going to make it, the only reason why they would is their talent plus their health plus their consistency and their coaching. That would be the reasons why they make it in. But it's very, very tough. I could very well be wrong about all of my top teams that I had making it. Um, I hope the Celtics do find it out because they're not looking too good right now. No, I don't know.
1: Um, And Jalen, at least right now, I thought this was going to be the year, like, Tatum took a leap and solidified himself as, like, a top 10 guy because I had him, like, on the fringe, like, right outside of it. Um, But it looks like Jalen. I don't know. that I'm not saying that Jalen's going to be top 10, but he looks to be the one who's taking a leap so far this year. No, he's
0: definitely taking a leap. The biggest leap that I've seen him take um, is his handle. His handle looks a lot faster and more dynamic, and he's been able to get to the paint and get to his spots a lot better compared to how he played last season. And he's coming off a COVID protocol, so he's still not everything that he could be just yet.
1: right. So um, I saw an interesting comparison for the – the Wizards. Someone said the Wizards are like the 2019 Clippers where like they didn't really um, and I mean you have Brad Beal who I think is a better player than anyone who was the best player on the Clippers that year but just like a solid team. They still made the playoffs you know and they didn't even have like a star. Um and I thought that was an interesting comparison, because I think people think like the Wizards are still not that good and their records fake, but I think they I think they're good. I don't think that they're like gonna come out the east, but I think they're a good team,
0: yeah. um, I like this Wizards team. Um, I love how they overhauled their entire roster, basically. Um the piece that they add are playing really, really good. Kyle Kuzma, I predicted he was going to have a season where he was averaging like near 20 points with seven rebounds. The other night he had 17 rebounds. Like their team is a true team. I'm just not sure how far they can go based on health and based on their coaching. Cause their coaches is, is to me, relatively unproven. It's a brand new coach. So I'm curious t- to see how long they can keep it up, but I'm not really sure. I just know like the talent, there is a bit of a disparity outside of Bradley Beal being their best player, but we'll see how long they can go. I do love their team though. They they play hard. They really do.
1: Okay, so let's let's bring it back to the Dubs really quickly to wrap up. So yeah. they're on a home stand, right? And it started with uh, was it OKC? No, it started with Memphis.
0: Yep. So, so it's they Memphis, with Memphis, OKC, and they lost Charlotte,
1: that. right? Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, they have Charlotte next. No, they have. What am I looking at?
0: Yeah, it's a uh, Charlotte on Wednesday. Then it's, I believe, the Pelicans on Friday. Then it's Houston, Atlanta, and then it's Minnesota, and then Chicago.
1: Oh my god. So like I don't know. I for some reason I thought it was the Wolves this Friday, but they're actually <laughs> I was confusing it with the Pelicans. Oh my goodness. Okay. So but the Wolves are part of the home stand. Yes so they are. Yes they are. They have Charlotte. I don't know why I thought that game was I thought it was the Wolves this Wednesday, but they're next Wednesday. I completely mm-hmm. misread the schedule. Okay. So they have the Wolves um next wednesday and we spent a lot of time talking about them that's okay and they have the pelicans which we did not talk about at all so let's just talk about that quickly there's not much to say right now about the pels because zion is out is um bi still out
0: uh bi is out for right now but i think he might be able to make it for us when we play him he doesn't have a severe injury right now he's just out so
1: have they won any games yet this season?
0: Um, if I'm not mistaken, the Pelicans did win one game against the Timberwolves. I think they're one in six right now. Total, but don't let that surprise you, because in all of their games, Jonas Valanciunas has been playing out of his mind. That he's doesn't surprise like, me at all. He's
1: <laughs> <playing really good. laughs> he was playing out of his mind last year in the play in versus us for the Grizzlies.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. So
1: right. Yeah. Um. So, but that's still a game the Warriors should win.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Right? And so, um, you know, the Pels, Zion is out, and, like, we've seen some images of him, and he, yeah. he doesn't, looks like he's put on a little bit of weight. Um, I mean, how long is he expected to be out? And, like, what does that mean for the Pelicans this year? Because, I mean, I think this year we were all hoping they would be well, I don't know that I was hoping it, but, like, I think
0: good expected strong expected that they should yeah. have at
1: least been a play-in team, right? Right. And I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. And so, it. I mean, a lot of that's going to depend on how long he's out for, right?
0: Yeah, it's going to be based on how long he's out, but also how he comes back as. He's right. put on some weight, and it's kind of scary for me just because he got hurt, and it's hard to, like, put in work on your body when you're hurt and where he's at, like to gain all of that weight to me puts his career at risk because he's a person whose game is based on his athleticism, but he's very elite as a basketball player. So I'm curious to see what his impact is going to be, but my God, do the photos look, look bad. And the condition, I
1: mean, his conditioning, right. And so. Do we know when he's expected to come back?
0: Initially, it was supposed to be the first two weeks, and then he would be reevaluated. We still have no idea. They uh, had him doing some drills before the game last night, so I do believe he'll probably be back in the next three or four games. I don't know if he'll be ready for the game that we play him, though, so we'll probably get a a chance to play them without Zion.
1: So without Zion, but they'll Mm -hmm. likely have B.I., and... Brandon Ingram is someone who a lot of Dubs fans have been thirsting over recently saying like, if we could trade Andrew Wiggins for him, yep. the Wolves aren't, the, Wol- I mean, the Wolves, the the Pelicans <laughs> are not trading Brandon Ingram for um, Andrew Wiggins. Nope. And even if they were, what I've seen some people proposing as a trade are like two of our young guys. And I'm just like, what has Brandon Ingram done to warrant that kind of a haul? He's a great player but very good player. But, like, should you be giving up Andrew Wiggins
0: and two um, first-round
1: picks for
0: so Brandon Ingram? I would Ingram? say no to that, and the reasoning behind me saying no is not because of how good of a player Ingram is, but it's mainly based on fit. Um, what people keep forgetting is the way the Warriors play basketball is different from a lot of other teams in the league. So to have him try to come in take less shots, find Pick out his everything. whole rhythm in the offense, and he's not a plus defender yet, even though he has the physicals to be that, I just think that's asking a lot in a season where we're trying to see how to fit clayback, And you don't want to be trying to, you know, have a whole bunch of pieces come back in. So that's why I personally wouldn't do it. Also, I think those younger guys can be impact players later on In the season once more games have been played so i probably wouldn't do that also andrew wiggins gets gets like he gets like the short end of of the stick way too much because of his contract but he's been pretty good in his role
1: yeah no i agree and i'm again no disrespect to brandon ingram because he's a great young player but like i said i when you start telling me things about like multiple picks i'm thinking superstar like i just um he's been an all-star before but yeah. i just i like i'm not giving that up for brandon ingram i don't think that he's done anything yet so far in his career to warrant that and um you know whatever so i mean i know that trade's not happening but right. that's been that's been a, a lot of the talk lately Um, so I'm sure if he comes and he plays well, we'll see a lot of that, like, oh God, if we can just have Brandon Ingram, um, I think we'll probably see a lot of that talk on the timeline too. Okay. So now in this homestand, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, six games remaining Charlotte Pelicans, Rockets, um, Atlanta, Minnesota, and Chicago. Yep. What's their record for those six games? Uh,
0: I think we can win every game, to be honest with you. um, I think the one game we might wind up losing would probably be versus, who would it be? It's between the Wolves and Chicago, but I think we can win this entire stretch, honestly. um,
1: I'm thinking the hardest game. game is going to be Atlanta.
0: Atlanta could be the hardest game just because of their versatility defensively. That's the it's other thing. It's also game a back to Ohio. back.
1: It's also oh, a back to back. It
0: is a back to back. Which is why I'm right. saying
1: that. Like okay. so they have to they have to like get up for that game. And what I don't want them to do, which is very likely, is that they're gonna just like not take Houston seriously when they come in. See, I feel like if we lose a game during this, it's gonna be a team that we shouldn't lose to because that's just like what
0: the Warriors <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. I don't I don't think it's gonna be any of the teams that we expect. But if we're just like realistically going off of who they are as a team, right? And Atlanta's a good team, you know. I think it's fair to say, I think Atlanta, look, Atlanta, Minnesota, and Chicago. Minnesota's talented. That's a talented right. team. And Atlanta and Chicago, they're good teams. And so those are the three hardest games, but I mean, but then again, charlotte's good really none of these games are give me's i don't even like to disrespect any nba team like that but really the only games that you can look at and say they should definitely win are the pelicans and the rockets yeah
0: they should definitely win those games yeah i would agree
1: so in those next one two three four six games i see one loss but i don't know where it's coming i would love it though if we went undefeated
0: yeah I 100% agree with you. I think I also see one loss, but I really feel like we can beat all of these teams if we're taking care of the ball through all of these games. But we don't know what's going to happen, so I'll roll with you.
1: Okay. All right. Well, Gifted, it has been a pleasure talking to you, as it always is. Thank you for all of your insight and knowledge on this team's Uh, We jumped the gun a little bit talking about the wolves, but thank you for being able to like maneuver around that. I'm with it, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no I mean,
1: problem. gifted knows about so many teams in the league. That's why, like I watch the NBA at large, but I certainly don't catch like every team's games. And I'm not saying you do, but the volume in which you watch so many teams and have knowledge on them is so impressive to me because it's hard enough for me just to keep up on <laughs> Golden State. And then, you know, I have a couple of teams that I really, really like. And so then it's like, but how the hell are you up to date on like 10, 15 teams? That's remarkable to me.
0: It's very hard. Um, I like so here. Right. So right here is where I have my monitor and to the right of me is like my TV. So I'll have two games here and I might have one game or two games here. It's not necessarily healthy, but I just love basketball so much. I, I try to watch as much of it as possible to stay kind of updated with how teams are, because pretty soon these teams that are not good now in the next three or four years can be at the top. So I'm really curious to seeing how these teams grow and all that type of stuff.
1: Okay, and predictions for Golden State this year. Where where are we finishing for the season?
0: Okay, so I think if Klay Thompson comes back 100%, I think we can win the championship. 100%? Um, does he need to 100%. be
1: 100
0: Yes, I, I personally believe he will need to be just because of, of the Garland coming out of the West and then going 100%. into the East.
1: On both offense and defense?
0: No, 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 no. 100% offensively. If he can replicate 80% of what he was defensively, I think we can take it. I do.
1: Okay. And if not, like, if he's like, I don't know, a little lesser version. I mean, what do you think is like, is it a Western Conference appearance? Is it a second round out? Like? Yes,
0: yes. If it's a lesser version than that, I believe we would go to the Western Conference finals. And depending on that matchup, We'd either go to the finals and lose or lose in the Western Conference Finals based on that, in my in my opinion. And what do you think is the seeding for them? Um, coming into the season, I had us as a three seed. I still feel confident in that range. So I'm gonna go three seed.
1: Okay. And um, you know, some people are a little nervous because Steph is while he's shooting 40% from. 3 We're still calling it a slow start for him in terms of his shooting, um, which is actually pretty common with Steph. And even if it wasn't common, Steph Curry, I'm never going to worry about his shooting. But, you know, he's right now the Vegas favorite for MVP right now at this point in the season. Um, Do you think he's going to get his third MVP this year?
0: Yes, ma'am. Coming into the season, I had Steph as the MVP favorite simply because He's going to have the wins this year. I thought that the roster as a whole will look better. And the fact that he's going to be adding Klay Thompson in later, to me, that just adds a bunch of wins on what your team record will be. Also, I believe that um, his stats are going to be complete. Um, I had him averaging around 28 or 29 points on good efficiency. Right now, he's shooting better when he's contested compared to wide open. So later on, once he starts to knock those down, he's going to be super efficient. And to me, if you're a top three seed and you were a MVP candidate as a eight seed, you have a high chance of doing great things. So I had him as MVP.
1: He has the narrative, the games, everything. Yep. Um, is he, And he's going to like he's going to become the leading three point. Um, shooter this year, and he's going to surpass 400 threes, you
0: think? I think so, and also he's tied for the highest PPG so far through the season. He's at twenty-eight point seven. So if he gets another, even after last title, night, yes. But Crazy. Ja
1: was a little higher. Did Ja go down too? Him and yeah, Ja so, were tied before.
0: Yeah. So so um so according to the stats, him and Ja are still tied for number one right now. Do you think he's gonna get another scoring
1: title this year?
0: I hope so. I'm not sure if it's tangible to hope on that but so far through all these games he's been able to have his way it's just i think when clay thompson comes back they're gonna win more games which means they might sit him longer so so i'm not really sure okay
1: all right gifted it's been a pleasure um thank you so much and uh of course i'll be talking to you you know on twitter on the timeline all that but thank you for blessing the show Really appreciate your insight and definitely got to get you back on again
0: later in the season. Absolutely, Nat. I really appreciate the platform. I'm rocking with it. Um, It's hard to like start things up from scratch. I've been learning myself with the more um I get into like the YouTube side of things to create a whole bunch of, of videos. But it's all about c- consistency. And I've been really inspired by your content. So I-, I appreciate you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care, Gifted. Have a great
0: rest of the night. Peace.